The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for all the best and latest news, advice, tips, techniques, and strategies for building your financial independence through investing in real estate. And tonight we are discussing a topic that is getting more and more press, is getting more and more well-known in the investment community, and yet is still something that only a few people exercise, and that is bulk buying of properties. Before we get to that, I want to remind everybody that the Cincinnati RIA general membership meeting is tomorrow evening at the uh, Jordan Crossing corner of Reading and Seymour Avenue out there in the Bond Hill area. The six o'clock Early workshop is called The Hereafter. It's about uh, estate planning for your real estate holdings and uh, a very, very important topic that is, ladies and gentlemen, I know you plan to never die and you plan to never leave your heirs with a bunch of properties that they don't know what to do with, but it's going to happen and you need to make a plan for that. At the 7.30 main meeting, it's Ask the Expert Night. This is a very popular annual meeting where you just get to sit down at tables with export, experts on topics like landlording, wholesaling, creative finance, working with agents, short sales, property management, and retailing, and ask whatever question is burning in your mind of these folks who have experience in these areas and, of course, get to learn by listening to other people's questions. That's the Cincinnati RIA meeting tomorrow night. That's April 5th. You can get more information at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's Cincinnati, R-E-I-A.com, or at 859-292-7342. Bulk buying is a topic that is uh, selling a lot of courses right now, and it's something that people are very fascinated with, and yet there is a lot of misunderstanding and just flat-out misinformation out there in the field. My guest today knows the bulk market cold. He's been a broker in the bulk industry for about five years. He has traded over 10,000 properties. He's also, in the past, owned 2,000 properties of his own and been a mortgage broker and hard money lender. So this is a guy who knows his way around the real estate industry. He has asked to remain anonymous. Why? <laughs> because 
as a nationally known broker of bulk properties, he uh, both gets a lot of calls from folks who, um, shall we say, can't, they, 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 they want his attention, but they can't perform and also just uh, is, is sort of media shy. So we were very lucky to get him. We're going to call him Mr. X, and he is joining us from an undisclosed location in California. Mr. X, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate you having me on your show. And I appreciate you being here because um, th- this is a topic that we have we have tried to cover several other times on real life real estate over the last few years and we have we have ten- tended to either get it covered from the point of view of the bulk buyer who had who maybe had particularly particular interests in um letting us see it from one perspective uh or from people who were doing what is commonly called uh, slinging tapes <laughs> which is a little bit different than what you do and uh uh, I, I'm glad that we could get you on today to sort of give us some perspective on both sides of the industry because you both you work as a broker with both these big companies that are buying millions of dollars with Vario's and the people on the ground who are buying them from the big companies. So, if you would start just by talking to us about what this industry is, because uh, you know five five years ago it it, it kind of didn't exist. And, you know, and that's a great point. And I I explained in, a, in a, a similar conversation yesterday. Five years ago, this business did not exist to the degree that it does today. And and I use the analogy of if you want to buy a McDonald's franchise, you go to McDonald's school, you, go, you run a store, you have uh, videotapes, you have CDs, you have all kinds of things to teach you how to do this. In this business, there was no book. There was no. There's nothing to read about to learn all the ins and outs and idiosyncrasies of every single city, county, state in the country. So, I, I can honestly say that I've probably made every single mistake you can probably make um, because of that very reason. The the REOs in the beginning, the banks had the power. You know, five years ago, the banks got, you know, bailed out. They got TARP funds. They kind of moved their toxic assets off to the side. There was a lot of um, mortgage-backed securities that were trading hands, and, and nobody really knew who had the authority to sign the deeds. And it was quite the mess. And at the end of the day, banks are in business to lend money. They're not in the real estate business. So banks had to create an infrastructure that can that can handle this problem um, when the banks themselves understand the problem as it was. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, the banks had the they had the power. So if a bank would send me what's typically called in our, our line of business a tape, it might be anywhere from fifty properties to a thousand properties. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, if you bid on them, you bid one, you bid all. So there was no cherry picking. When you do that, or if someone tries to ask you to do that, you really want to try to stay away from that. Because there's always going to be about a 10 to 15, maybe even a 20% 
shrinkage value uh, factor within that. And what I mean by shrinkage is the banks knew exactly what I was doing. They knew that I was owner financing, and I'll get to that in a second. And and my returns were very very good. But the banks also had burned out properties and empty lots that they just had to get off the books. So, you know, like I said, 10, 15, 20 percent of that package would be a burnout house, an empty lot, or something that I could not do anything with. Today it's switched, and, and today the buyer or consumer has a lot more say-so in the bulk business than was before. Mm-hmm. People are much more picky, uh, and they want to pick and choose the assets they want to buy. That being said, the 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 larger hedge funds, PPMs and whatnot throughout the country, and I mean very large hedge funds, are are starting to buy these up and then resell them uh, to smaller investors um, and, and make a little bit of a spread. I almost rather buy from that entity so that I can 100% pick and choose exactly when I want it to be. When Venus said I had over 2,000 homes, I was in 21 states, and my wife and I ran it ourselves, and it was very difficult to do. So if you're going to be in a bulk business, you have to pick your market that you are comfortable in, even if it's not one that you necessarily live in, but one that you're comfortable in, and, and, and stay in that marketplace and not stretch yourself out. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Mr. X, let me, let me uh, step back and, and ask a question about the motivation of the banks here. Because although we're, we're going to discuss how, how this actually gets down to the level where a real-life real estate listener can, can buy some of these properties... I think it's important to understand what's happening at each stage here. You mentioned that the 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 banks and and we're talking both very large national banks and then smaller regional banks as well from time to time will package up bank their bank owned properties the ones that they've taken back at sheriff sales or gotten through deeds in lieu of foreclosure in groups of I believe you said anywhere from a hundred to a thousand. What, and then sell them all off at once, like like you have to take them all. Why do they do that? Well, you know, there's two reasons. And, and, and the bulk business became the bulk business for one reason and one reason only. And I'll speak for California in specific because we have so many uh, disclosures that have to be filled out. Ohio is the same way. The banks had so many assets that they could not, sell via local MLS because it would never in a million years pass an inspection or an appraisal. It just sat there and never, never land. And it goes through a process. The process is they try to sell it via MLS. It doesn't work. Then they'll try to use one of the larger uh, um, auction companies to try to auction off the property. And if that doesn't work, that's usually when you see it end up on a bulk list. Now, that doesn't mean that the properties you're getting are uh, pieces of junk. It just means it might be an area that people aren't buying in or what have you. So 
that that was the main reason the banks started doing bulk because there was no other way for them to disposition those products. Mm-hmm. The other reason is simply infrastructure. If if uh, if a large bank um, and there's one in, in particular, but I won't mention names, um, they did their first bulk sale in September, and it was you know 500 600 properties, and it's one of the top three largest banks in the country. And it was their first bulk sale. Um, They did not have the infrastructure to handle selling those toxic assets onesies and twosies and threesies at a time. You can imagine the paperwork flow. So they'd much rather come to a large, super large, uh, hedge fund and say, hey, look, take 500 of these properties, 1,000 of these properties, we'll sell them to you an X amount of, on the dollar, um, and they dis- they disposition their properties uh, in one transaction versus 60 or 70 transactions, because frankly, they don't have the infrastructure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because those 560 properties could literally be scattered amongst 500 and different 560 different cities in all 50 states, and having a different real estate agent each place and a different asset manager each place. Uh, I, I can imagine that that's, uh, that's not an easy process to get through. Now, uh, we're going to need to take a quick break. But uh, before we do uh, one other question, one assumes, and we'll get into the details uh, of this after the after we take the break, one assumes that if I am going to buy 560 properties, I'm not going to buy them at the price at which they were listed in the MLS. What what sorts of discounts are you seeing these banks sell these properties in bulk? Great question. First off, believe it or not, bulk in most uh, arenas is 10 or more properties. That's what's considered bulk. Number two, if you're in the rust belt of the country you can expect to pay anywhere from 38 to 43 cents on the dollar on today's dollar uh, or value of the property. At current current as-is value, not after-repaired value. That, that's correct. Okay, so so to, to set the stage for what we're going to discuss after the break, these, these hedge funds, these private placements, these companies that have the money to play in this arena – are often buying these properties at 30 to 45 cents on the dollar. Now, having said that, I do want to invite listeners who have any questions to either give us a call or send us an email. The email address is askvena, that's A-S-K-V-E-N-A, at gmail.com. You can also call us directly if you're in the greater Cincinnati area, dial 772-9658, or if you're listening to us online, you can call toll-free 877-772-9658. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Mr. X, the anonymous bulk broker who has traded over 10000 bulk properties in the last five years and is here anonymously to anonymously easy for me to say 
to uh, educate us on how this business works and, more importantly, how we can get involved. If you have a question for Mr. X about bulk properties, 877-772-9658 is the toll-free number to call. You can also send an email to askvina at gmail.com. And I will get that to him. Just remember to do it earlier on in the show because many times I get home and find emails that were sent at 5.58 and just didn't get here in time to ask the questions. Uh, So, Mr. X, um, Big Bank decides they want to get rid of some number of of REOs over 10 all at the same time. Uh, How come we don't see this advertised in the paper? How come we don't see this in MLS? Why, why, Why do I not have the ability to bid on these packages? Simple question. There's a million of you and I out there in the country that would love to get hold of 10, 15, 20, 30 properties. The banks have incredible gatekeepers. To try to find the asset manager that can make the decision to uh, pull properties in bulk uh, if it's not impossible, it's close to it. So it's kept into a very small circle, and it's done by that by design. Um, because you can imagine, again, the banks don't have the banks are in business to lend money. They're not in business to sell real estate and field phone calls from, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that want properties uh, from that lending institution. Mhm. Mhm. So basically they know they know who they want to deal with. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and it's 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 not it's not Joe investor on the ground. So um process happens. And, happens. And, Go ahead. And more and importantly, if I have a package of 100 properties from one of the servicers and I win that that bid uh and I'll I'll clue you all in if anybody gets involved if you win a bid and you don't fund, you're out of the game. You will never be invited back to a bid again. Um, and they're they're pretty serious about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and again, uh, being able to fund can mean, depending on the size of the package, coming up with millions of dollars, or as little as mean- as little as hundreds of thousands. But you know, that's that's a that's a big game. I mean, I bought ten properties last week for ten grand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's in a market that I tend to like, and I'm not, I'm not a lot of other people do like it, but I understand the market and I'm comfortable with it, and I've been there for five years. That's a thousand dollars a property. You couldn't even lay the concrete for that. You couldn't lay carpet for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that's the extreme. Um, I'm a much more of a lower end bottom feeder, you know, fifteen thousand and under uh, for properties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now the properties have moved on to this level that we're just going to shortcut it and call and and call it hedge funds. Not all of the not all of the folks are not all of the companies are officially set up ha- as hedge funds, but that's uh, how they're, how they're commonly referred to is the, the bulk buying hedge funds. So now our 652 properties have moved into the hands of one of these hedge funds. What do they do with them? 
the hedge funds usually will call people that have an established relationship, like myself, um, or like yourself, or uh, there's probably as little as 100 people out there that these hedge funds will call uh, that are A, serious buyers, B, serious brokers of, 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 uh, of properties. So the list is short, and you would be surprised. You would think it would be a lot larger, and it's really not. Um, again, the hedge funds don't want to field calls from every Tom, Dick, and Harry as well. They want to deal with people that uh, are going to get the product, say, okay, I got it sold, I got it under contract, and fund. And these fundings and these purchases are as quick as three and four days. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, now you're talking no, about you're talking about the purchase uh, by the hedge fund from the bank and from the individual from to the hedge fund. Mm-hmm. They like it quick, and here's why. And it's it goes back to the few the old term the few ruin it for everybody else. Is unfortunately there are individuals out there that will try to broker a deal, tie up a deal, you know, thirty, forty, fifty houses tied up for 30 days and then go out and try to find an end buyer and and try to do a double end close or pass through or something of that nature um, and, and make a little bit of a spread and not use any of their money. So the hedge funds, because so many people have done that, even their transactions are fairly quick, um, especially if you're brand new to it. If you're someone like, and I don't mean to sound arrogant, like me or like Vina that is very extremely well-known, and we say this customer is going to close, but it's going to take 10 days, well, the likelihood of that hap- them allowing that to happen is very great. If you're newer to it and you need, you come to them and say you need 30 days to close, not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> we should say that uh, there, there has been some media coverage recently about hedge funds buying properties, and it has not been along the lines of the hedge funds are going to buy them and then they're going to break them up into smaller packages and sell them to you and me. It's been along the lines of the hedge funds are going to buy Fannie Mae's rentals and then you know hold them as rental properties. So uh, the different hedge funds have different exit strategies for what they're for what they're doing here. There's usually four different exit strategies. That's one of them, uh, is buy and hold and rent. Number two is bulk sale. Number three is, uh, set up a website and sell individually and have a, and have a huge, uh, marketing list that they can blast email to. And number four, um, did I say sell MLS? No, you did not say sell okay. MLS. And sell MLS. Those are usually the four exit strategies that, most of these private hedge funds tend to use. Mm-hmm. Again, they're not going to MLS a lot of that stuff because it won't. It's going to be very difficult for it to pass inspection. Um, and it's a lot of. It, and it sounds like it's already been an MLS, maybe you know, six, six months earlier, and that that didn't work for the bank. <laughs> so guaranteed, guaranteed. And so you know, a lot of them. You know, there, there's different laws that have popped up over the past couple of years 
um, that have made it a little bit more difficult to owner finance, owner carry back homes, which is what I do. Um, and it's called the SAFE Act. Um, and so you have to be a licensed originator and servicer in the state that you are carrying the note on. So you might buy a property and you own it free and clear and you sell it to somebody for 500 down, 400 a month for a set on a seven-year contract. Um, if you're going to service that note by yourself, you are not in compliance of the SAFE Act. Now, that being said, there are a handful of companies across the country that for a small fee, and it is small, it's usually anywhere from 9 to 13 14%, they will do all of that so that you are in compliance and you can do your owner financing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, now, Mr. X, we have a call on line one from Ed in northern Kentucky. Ed, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hey, Vina. Um, well, um, unfortunately, I find myself uh, unemployed these days, and I just got approved for an unemployed unemployment bridge loan, and this is from uh, northern Kentucky. Uh-huh. Uh, are there any pitfalls that I need to know about? Am I, uh, I don't want to make a deal with the devil here. Well, <clears throat> I'm not sure what an unemployment bridge loan is, Ed, so I'm not certain how to answer that question. Okay. What, what is it you've been offered here? Uh, um, basically, they're going to pick up my mortgage payment so long as I, I assume, so long as I'm unemployed. Uh, I've talked to, I think, probably about three different people, and I've asked them about uh, possibility of losing my house, possibility of, um, you know, I'm hearing a lot of this government stuff, how they're, they're going to get real big into uh, eminent domain for, for anybody, you know, anybody, anything, any reason. And I just don't want to set myself up for something stupid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Ed, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to email your question to a financial advisor that helps us out with this kind of question from time to time. And if you can stay tuned next week, I will have an answer for you on that because I I, I can't touch that one because I've never actually met anybody who had one of these. Okay. Okay. Um, And then do you need any specifics like the bank or anything like that? Uh, No. No. Super. Okay. Uh, Okay. Well, I'll check in uh, next week. All right. Thank you very much, Ed. Uh, You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're talking today about bulk buying, uh, both what happens at the bank level, the hedge fund level, and then what can happen down at our level down here with our feet planted on planet Earth. And uh, talking today to Mr. X, an anonymous bulk broker who's done a lot of these deals, like 10,000 of them. 772-9658 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 are the numbers to call. You can also send an email to askvena at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V-E-N-A at gmail.com. Um, Ms. Rex, we also did get a question via email. Uh, this is from JC in Las Vegas. He says, what is the protocol for demonstrating to these sellers of bulk REOs that I have the funds to buy from them. Do I need a proof of funds letter? Do I need a letter from my bank? And how quickly do I need to be able to close? Vegas is a very interesting market. Vegas, uh, Clark County, has been hit tremendously hard with foreclosures. 
Um, and frankly, a lot of the experts don't even think it's hit the bottom yet. Um, it depends on, A, the bank. If you're going directly to a bank or a servicer, or if you're going to a hedge fund. Now, me as an example, I vet people out pretty well. So you will never hear me ask anybody for proof of funds um, or to sign an NCMB or something crazy like that. Because frankly, I really don't want to know how much money somebody has and someone doesn't have. Now, that being said, the banks might want that. Or they might ask you to have some money in an escrow account and and show them a, uh, a deposit receipt to, from, into an escrow account. Um, if, it, it, typically, when people are asking you for proof of funds, typically they're brokers. And typically they're brokers that aren't close enough to the source and that are trying to protect their position uh, from a commission standpoint. Um, and that's and that happens a lot. So most real people, I mean, if you're, if you're talking about a, uh, a 500, you know, Bank of America just put out a list. Oh, I said a name, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> just put out a very large list last week, a very large list. Um, you know, or Fannie Mae. Um, they might not necessarily ask for proof of funds, but they'll ask for, you know, a 50000 or a 100000 100% refundable deposit to have the ability to bid on those products. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, just a lot of, uh, at every level here, there's a lot of, uh, we don't want to mess around, we don't want to have somebody waste our time saying that they're going to close things that they can't close. And and we've been seeing that with banks on their REOs for about the last five years. You, you, can't, even, you can't even write an offer in MLS. No, and, you know, and it, it scares buyers in the bulk world because everything's quick, quick, quick. And people go, go, okay, why is it so quick? It's so quick because so many people made, it, made the, the sellers so skittish they don't want to tie up something for 30 days and have it fall out and have to start the process all over again. They want these transactions to be put under contract. They want the due diligence done first. Um, the last thing you want to do is negotiate. If someone's being on 50 homes, 20 homes, whatever, and they they're, they go back and forth, negotiate a price for me, and uh, I get the, the price uh, approved um, through the hedge fund. Then they go out to the house and do their due diligence and come back and say, oh, wait a minute, we need to actually lower our offer. That, that's a quick way to get kicked out of the game as well. I didn't know it didn't have a plumbing. Yeah, um, we need to... We need to take another quick break. Uh, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate. We're talking about the possibilities in bulk buying. And you can call us with any questions at 877-772-9658 or send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is a mystery man from a mystery state on the west coast of the United States, south of Oregon. And 
we're talking about um, bulk buying, sort of generally what is happening these days that wasn't happening 10 years ago. And getting around now to how we as individual investors here on the ground uh, can turn these into deals for ourselves. Uh, So, uh, Mr. X, uh, Hedge Fund has bought 562 properties. Hedge Fund then calls you and you say uh, less than 100 other folks in the country who are are known brokers with connections with people on the ground who uh, are likely to want five properties in Cincinnati or 20 properties in Columbus or something of that nature at that level. So, so, so the bank lost a bunch of money when they sold these <laughs> to the hedge fund, the hedge fund is clearly looking to make some money on the resale. You said earlier that the hedge fund is buying these properties at somewhere in the vicinity of 30 to 45 cents on the dollar maybe at 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 what percentage of the dollar are you seeing them then offer the properties to you depending on the hedge fund and the size of the hedge fund and the infrastructure that they have you know there's one that we both know of that you know has an infrastructure of 90 employees has 1200 properties and because of that they're not able to discount the, the properties to make it sexy enough to for a buyer like myself uh, to buy in bulk um, they've over they've overthought it mm-hmm. now on the other side of the spectrum there's another company that I love to buy from um, you know they might mark it up 10 points 15 points whatever and again we're talking about properties that are 50,000 Fifty thousand and under, and I'm glad to pay that. I can go out and inspect it. I can take pictures. I can do whatever I want to do before I make that decision of what I want to buy. So, if they're buying it at thirty-eight to forty-three cents, and I'm buying it at you know fifty-five, fifty-seven cents, um, I'm happy. Now, that thirty-eight to forty-three cents is is a good national number. It gets skewed tremendously by certain states. So if you're in Cuyahoga County in Cleveland, as an example, it might be 16 cents on the dollar. If you're in Detroit, Michigan, it might be 7 cents on the dollar. If you're in Florida, it might be 60 cents on the dollar. So you you have to look at it as a blended rate. Um, So depending on the region that you're in, um, you can get some unbelievable buys. And Ohio is one of my favorite markets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the, these folks, uh, and, and, and again, we're talking about a subset of the hedge funds because, as you mentioned, some of them keep their properties. Some, yep. some, of, them, some of them basically mark them back up to what they were in MLS for to start with. And there's, there's, no, there's no real deal for the investor there. Uh, some of them just... If they're buying them at thirty cents, they mark them up to forty. If they buy them at forty, they mark them up to fifty or fifty-five cents on the dollar. And again, 
because we we're we're talking we're talking backwards here of what we usually talk about when we're talking about real estate investing. We always we we're, we're always saying, well, I want to take the after repaired value. I want to take you know sixty cents sixty percent of that, then subtract repair costs, and that's what I want to pay. When you say fifty five cents on the dollar, you're saying fifty five cents on the dollar after that calculation has already been done. <laughs> so if the if the if the if the value's fifty and therefore I want to discount it to thirty and then take off another ten to get to to, to a twenty thousand dollar purchase price, you may be offered that pa- that property through a bulk company for twelve or thirteen thousand. Correct. So that's I mean that's that, that 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 I think we just got down to why people want to deal with these bulk sellers uh, when and how they can. Now, <clears throat> is that dependent? upon the guy here on the ground being able to buy multiple properties from that hedge fund uh, simultaneously as far as getting the discount yes bigger 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 if i can go in and and say look mr hedge fund you have five properties in cincinnati i'll take them all am i going to get a bigger discount you'll get a you'll get a much better discount if 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 the hedge fund has the opportunity to get close to or wipe out an entire market of themselves for themselves the discount factor uh, grows tremendously so you and I both know of a seller that has a tremendous amount of Columbus properties and if someone came in and wanted to buy the rest of them um, you know the prices you and I both know what the price is now, but the reality is that price is probably a thousand to fourteen hundred dollars cheaper than what you and I have spoken about in the past. Um, so, because they want to get out of that market, you know, and there's a lot of markets that are very difficult to work in. And I don't know if you want me to touch on that, Vina, or not. Yes, because uh, I, I I think having people understand what the big picture with these hedge funds is helps them understand why. I have seen hedge funds buy a, they get a singleton property in Cincinnati. You know, they, they bought 100 properties, but only one of them is in Cincinnati. And what they paid for that one in Cincinnati, according to the tax rolls, is $6,000, and they sell it for two. And and there's always this question of of how do they make money <laughs> buying buying high and selling low? But the but the answer has to do with those difficult markets. And and that's a that is that is the point. Is right, wrong, or indifferent? And the folks in Ohio, I mean, no disrespect, it's one of my favorite markets. And Sheila, oops, <laughs> my um. Mrs. X. I another. <laughs> <laughs> Caught myself there. Um, you know, for the most part, lives out in Cuyahoga County and in, in, in Euclid. And uh, if you're not a seasoned bulk buyer in Cuyahoga County, you can get eaten for lunch very quickly. If There's a thing called trailing deeds. Even Fannie Mae has it. And Fannie Mae is a very well-run organization. You might, it might, t- you might win a pool, and it might take you thirty to ninety days to get the deeds. 
back five years ago, it could take me up to nine to 12 months to get the deeds. So if I get a, if, if a citation, let me back up, in most states and cities and, and counties, the primary responsibility of a bailiff is to protect the officers of the court. In Cuyahoga County, specifically in Cleveland, they have a whole ton of bailiffs that their responsibility is to drive around in little white county cars and issue citations, uh, misdemeanor citations, uh, on houses that are derelict, for sake of not having a better way to put it. So if you're in a trailing deed situation like I was five years ago, I had $1.7 million in fines uh, and never knew it. And so, and the reason I didn't know it is, is the, the county would look at who's on, who, who's on title. They would send the ticket or citation to that entity, which was the bank. The bank would be, eh, we sold this property. They'd throw it in the garbage, and I would be none the wiser. Then all of a sudden they send me the deed, I get it recorded, and I realize I've missed six court dates. And since you're a corporation and in Cleveland, if you miss a court date, it's $5,000 a day. If you're an individual and you miss a court date, it's $50 a day. So, you know, there's, there's idiosyncrasies of different areas um, that make it very, very difficult. If you talk about the heights in Cuyahoga County, Sterling Heights, Cleveland Heights, uh, Mayfield Heights, all the heights, they make you pull a POS, which stands for a point of sale inspection, which means you have a, a, a inspector coming from the city that determines what the value, it, what, what it's going to cost to fix the property, and they give that uh, bid, so to speak, to the, to the city, and the city will charge uh, will make the buyer put up 105 to 110% of that value into an interest-bearing escrow account. So in essence, you end up putting that money out twice. You get it back after it's done, but if it's $20,000, you have to, you got to put up the $20,000 to the city, and then you got to put up $20,000 to repair it. So there's, there's certain areas where you have to be extremely savvy and understand. So, Venus, I talk about the brief little steps that you should take prior to buying, even looking at buying properties. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry? Yes. And yeah. Okay. The first thing I look at, believe it or not, is not the property. If I get a list of properties and I know what areas I like, the very first thing I look at is I look at the taxes. There are several websites and companies that you can subscribe to that are pay, that are pay uh, sites. And pretty much every county that I know of that I deal with, except Indianapolis, has a very good county website that can tell you if there's any delinquent taxes. That's the first thing you want to check. Number two, you want to check the utilities. Uh, here in California... Utilities are, are tied to an individual, not the property. In the Rust Belt, more times than not, they're tied to the property, not to the individual. So when you're buying a property from a bank, even Fannie Mae, a federally run organization, you're buying it via quit claim deed. Therefore, 
any liens and encumbrances that are on that property, you now own those. So that's why it's it's uh, extremely important that you check some of those you check those areas to ensure that you don't. I mean, I've had nine thousand dollar water bills in Detroit, Michigan, um, where the pipes broke and the water just ran for a year and. The water bill grew and grew and grew, and I was responsible for it. And there was no negotiating. Mm-hmm. So, you want to check the you want to check the um, the gas. You want to check the water. You want to call the um, the building department to ensure it, or see if it has any violations and or it has any condemnations. Now, in regards to condemnations, there's a big a huge misunderstanding. A condemnation does not mean that that house is imminent to be torn down. A condemnation simply means that in order for it to get a certificate of occupancy, you have to go down to the building department, pull the permits, fix the house up, get your certificate of occupancy, and go on down the road. If you don't do that, then the likelihood of it getting torn down will probably happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, so and, 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 and actually, um, to, uh, again, thinking about what we're talking about at this point is now you, the listener, the real life real estate listener are, have been sent a list. You're looking at some properties. What's, you know, what, what is your responsibility before you make the bid? This is all, all this stuff needs to happen before you make the bid, because once you've made the bid, you're not going to be able to go back and say, oh, wait, but they have building orders on them. The, the expectation is when you make the bid, you've already done your due diligence, and this is a firm bid that is going to close in somewhere between three and ten days. Uh, and and that's uh, <clears throat> because we only have about four minutes left in the show. Uh, I really want you to talk about something that I think people get surprised by the first time they buy these little bulk packages. That is um, the the quit claim deeds and the fact that nothing is warranted no ta- there you're taking it subject to all taxes and liens that might be on the property and that's why it's so critically important and you're right um, I don't know of a bank out there or of a servicer out there and I'm sure there might be some but I don't know of any that issue warranty deeds a warranty deed would warrant that all means and encumbrances have been taken care of quick claim deed which is the majority of what you're going to get any lien and encumbrance that is on that property now becomes your lien and encumbrance. It doesn't go away. So that's why you have to do your homework prior to anything. After you've checked all that out and there's no ugly hair on it, there's no big fines or anything like that, then I send my guys out in the, uh, uh, on the field or I use a company, uh, another privately, a private company to go take pictures of the house and take a look at it. After that, then I make my bid, and that's the order that I go in. So the very last thing I do is look at the property. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, uh, we've got about two minutes left. I want to uh, answer as many of these listener questions we've been piling up as I can, as we can. Uh, question, this is from Keith in Austin, Texas. How did you develop or acquire early on those relationships with the banks that allowed you to get involved in these transactions? Did someone introduce you who had connections, or was it your prior business as a mortgage broker that provided you an in? Well, twofold. 
One, because I, I was a mortgage broker and I, I knew all the banks. I knew all the subprime lenders that went bye-bye. And I knew who, who ended up buying them. And two, um, a huge help to me were the large um, auction companies. Um, you know, if I go to an auction company in, I don't know, Detroit, Michigan, um, and I buy 100 properties at that auction, I get noticed very quickly by their senior management. Mm-hmm. They'll pull me aside, talk to me, and give me privileges and quick closings and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's kind of how I built it up. Well, Mr. X, unfortunately, we are out of time here on the show. So this is what we're going to have people do. Go to our Facebook, Real Real Life Real Estate dateradio.com if you want to hear another show where we get uh, even more into the issue of bulk buying go to that page say yes we want to hear some more from mr x and we'll do another program in the immediate future because boy we just scratched the surface here today so thanks so much to our anonymous bulk mortgage broker for sharing his insights into that business today We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.